Asshole Court is a bi-weekly podcast in which a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. We rate the subjects on a not-so-scientific scale, ranging from Mr. Rogers to Hitler, 1 to 11, and average out the three scores in the end for our final number. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time, especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously, so just don't. We've all had that overbearing boss at one point in our working lives, and if you haven't had one yet, consider yourself fortunate. You know who I'm talking about. The boss that rushes to judgment, flies off the handle quickly, and never, ever admits fault. Throw in a public insult or humiliation, and you might just wind up on a list of people to kill like Steve Buscemi had in Billy Madison. But it's 2023, and we've proven time and time again that as a society, we love to see people fail, and we love to feel better about ourselves. Now, imagine if you could televise your workplace. Did you imagine if you were to air an episode of Susie down in customer service getting written up and cussed out by her supervisor because she didn't say the right thing? Tears pouring, insults hurled, confidence crushed. Well, a select few do get the opportunity to do this. Enter Gordon Ramsay. Ramsay is perhaps the most well-known chef on the planet and the restaurant empire he's grown over the years is incredible. Not gonna bury the lead here. This guy reportedly made $70 million last year. Last year. And once you hear the story, you'll learn this wasn't gifted to him and it took a lot of hard work and skill to get to where he is. But we all know why we're here. While the TV persona itself can land him a seat in the courtroom, there seems to be a little more to the recipe of Gordon Ramsay's success. So grab your cookbook, clear some counter space, and tell Susie it's time to start looking for a new fucking job, girl, and get ready for the Gordon Ramsay episode of Asshole Court. It's raw! All right, before we get started on the show today, got to give our shout outs to the folks that gave us the recommendations for this. Off the Instagram, we got Jackson Bennett and David Benuelos Jr. So big shout out to those guys. And off of Facebook, our boy Luis Lozano uh, had the recommendation for Gordon Ramsay. So appreciate it, guys. And uh, you too can get a shout out on the show by putting out a good recommendation. Yeah, big ups, guys. I appreciate the recommendations, or we all do. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm excited to do this episode. Uh, I've always wanted to do gordon on the show so um hey that let's sounded rephrase odd. that <laughs> let's not let's leave that out there For buddy sure. wants to fuck <laughs> gordon ramsay we're gonna leave that well, on that's there. the thing it, about a topic like gordon ramsay is he's one of the folks that's on tv people see a lot of him yes but you may not know a whole lot about him that's you true. think you know him you, you think you know him that's right buddy wants to get to know him biblically <laughs> i want him to call me an idiot sandwich in the bed yeah he said what is wrong with your dick and then he puts two pieces of bread it's a tiny hot dog get a brioche bun all right let's get some pre-show scores for the man himself gordon ramsay buddy kick us off what you think all right so um gordon ramsay i mean You've had to have been living under a rock for the past decade if you don't know who this guy is. 
And he's been around for even a lot longer than that. I mean, I, I recall like three years he's been on yeah, TV. Yeah. Uh, like Hell's Kitchen came on like early 2000s. It did. Even and earlier in uh, England. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I first recognized him in Hell's Kitchen. And uh, he seemed like a big asshole, like right off the rip yep. and uh, was yelling at everybody. And you're like, God, this guy really is an asshole. It's like what you think of as the stereotypical, um, like the opposite of Wolfgang Puck, for instance. Sure. Like, you know, those celebrity chefs that are just, you know, take no nonsense and are just, you know, want perfection. And I was like, holy shit. But then after like a season or two of it, I was like. This seems very, you know, like, uh, uh, Put on. yeah, it was like basically like it was very uh, commercialized or Hollywoodized. It felt yeah. like you were watching a, um, you know, like a reality TV show and it wasn't, you know, it felt staged. Sure. And that was my initial impression. I was like, I bet you this guy's like one of the nicest fucking guys in the world to watch. And, um, I won't be surprised to hear that by the end of this episode. That's what I'm kind of banking on is that like he was a big asshole in the beginning, but it was all just for stage. Mm-hmm. Right. It might have even been something where like he yelled at somebody one time. Yeah. And they're like, holy shit, we got to like market this guy. Right. Sure. And uh, so maybe uh, my guess is that he just got in front of the right producers and kind of got carved out a path in a sense and um, took him a while to kind of break free of that. And you've seen that happen here lately in the past years. Like I've seen him doing stuff where he's like cooking in Alaska, yep. mm-hmm. like doing like what, like out in the wild. Stuff. He's doing everything. Now oh, yeah. at this point, he's literally just such a bankable star that it doesn't matter about the food anymore. They're like, hey, yeah. we're going to go and put a show about Gordon Ramsay takes a monster dump. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he's true. like, fuck. And, oh! <laughs> I will say, though, like um, I uh had master class for a little bit like mm-hmm. a, like for a year long i had the series and i mm-hmm. watched uh his section specifically and man he he's a badass cook he's a he good teacher is. and uh we've definitely taken like three or four of his recipes and have integrated them into our regular nice. like uh you know regular eating and i mean it's that's some of the best food that i make is right. like from his instructions his scrambled eggs changed my life I don't like the scrambled Ooh, eggs. I love them. I can't do the like water. It's like creme mm, fraiche yeah. in there. Yeah, a little I bit. They're not. I, I'm a big fan. Like I them. do like the. You know, I will put it on the heat for a little while, take it yeah, off, yeah. and put it back on. Slowly you know? get that thing working up, and it's pretty great. Yeah, it's, I I don't follow his directions mm. specifically, but I do follow a couple of his methods. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, I really don't think that he's as big of an asshole as the as his TV persona would project him to be. So uh, right off the rip, I'm going to actually put him at a, I think a little bit above the average person. If the average person's a three or four, I'm actually going to bump him up to like, uh, we'll say a 5.0 as a starting point for Gordon Ramsay. All right. 5.0 for Buddy. Mikey, what you got? Opening thoughts for Gordon Ramsay. The kitchen culture is notoriously full of assholes. Yep. And it it is, it it sucks because it's, um, I don't know how that culture got sort of, put into place but it definitely is and um it is a hard lifestyle and like i remember reading uh, anthony bourdain's book the first one or whatever and he talks about like you know they all consider themselves like pirates which is true because it's like the last line of work you can get a lot of times even if you're like a felon yeah like you can go in there and you can work and you can you can be a good chef even with a bad background and nobody nobody cares but it is uh, I've, I've worked kitchens for a very short period of time, about two weeks, but I did. I, I got fired. Got the grind. I on. did. I did. I I worked front of the house though. Uh, I bartended and waited tables, and it is a a different environment. Um, but I don't know why that sort of uh culture took place. But it really is. It's still there. It's changing a lot. But it, it used to be sort of a like apprentice and like master scenario. And uh, I I 
familiar with Gordon Ramsay having been in the apprentice position with another chef and like the abuse is real. Like, oh, yeah. and, sure. and, and that's not just with him, but like in all kitchens. Um, and that's unfortunate. I think sincerely, he's probably a pretty nice guy, a chill guy, smart guy. I mean, when you see the stuff that's outside of hell's kitchen, you know, you get a sense of a guy that's, uh, you know, he's still has that kitchen mentality, but he's actually a thoughtful person. So I'm going to score him at a 4.25 because I think generally he's actually a really nice person, but because he has that sort of uh, kitchen abuse culture ingrained into him, he's probably slightly worse than the average person. Okay. Mikey, 4.25, same as Ellen. Interesting. Okay. Randy, bring us home. All right. So I definitely got some time in the kitchen as well in college. I was, I worked at a restaurant all four years I was there, uh, redshirted my fifth year. Yeah. Um, you know, but anyway, uh, it was the latter four years I worked at the restaurant and started out as a dishwasher and, and I got to see, uh, you know, kind of how it worked. Right. Mm-hmm. And you guys both know where it went and ate there. It is not a lavish place. It wasn't anything fancy. We sure. did have a chef, though, that was went to culinary school and taught us how to cook. And I yep. still make some of the sauces that I learned to make in college yep. today. But, you know, that whole aspect of like the master chef kind of beating everybody down. I saw a zero of that. The guy that we had was yeah. super fucking cool. Um, let everybody could do their thing. He really wanted to teach us how to do it right and really to teach us so he didn't have to be there. Yeah, you know, sure. what I mean? that's a big piece of it is like unless you're the one running the show, unless you're there. Shit might fall off unless you got a good right hand man. I think you get personality types that really sort of have a chip on their shoulder about like I'm a chef and whatever. Yeah. Plus they're geared up on coke because they all are. Absolutely. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and well, so and those ones are the worst. A fucking clown suit. Like they got yeah. those chefs clogs and the chef uh-huh. pants and your in your that coat and the hat. And you're yeah. Like, man, I hear you, bro. All their pants have like yeah like fish on them or like you know little fucking meat cleavers and shit. You know yeah. they're just like super proud of it. <laughs> yeah. But Gordon Ramsay definitely. Um, He's the, like you said, Mike, just so marketable, man. He took this formula. Um, he wasn't the first celebrity chef, but he was the first, like, really good, marketable celebrity chef. And I think the hardest working celebrity that chef. That dude is everywhere all the time. Yes. Yeah. Like, he really constantly. Is. Yeah, like, I don't think that there's really been any gap yeah. since Hell's Kitchen that I haven't turned on the TV and he hasn't been in one of the primetime slots. Yeah. I'm like, just pause and enjoy your money. 70 yeah. like i said 70 million dollars he made mm-hmm. last year that's i guess that's what you get if you work that hard yeah you know, and you have that whatever you know to but you also it. had to build up to that point yeah, you for know. sure for sure yeah there's a lot of dudes that work 80 hour weeks that don't make 70 million dollars a year <laughs> done it i yeah, wish i, I got to caught say, that i'd do it for one year and be done for the rest of my life god no shit but um you know i kind of go into this a little more jaded um i've watched lots and lots of uh, gordon ramsay shows and you kind of see through, even when you watch Hell's Kitchen, like how he kind of interacts off the side where you see a little bit of softness, but I don't know. It, he is just kind of generally an asshole. And I've got him geared a little higher than the average dude. I got him at a 5.25. Okay. Pre-show. All right. With the 5.0 from Buddy, a 4.25 from Mikey, and a 5.25 from Randy, Gordon Ramsay's pre-show asshole score is a 4.83. 4.83, interesting territory, the exact same score. That's Ty Cobb, our very first show on Asshole Court. Hey. That name's been coming up a lot lately. It has, <laughs> right? Yeah, a lot of our scores have been right around Ty Cobb. Ooh. I think we're going to do a show where we go through all of the ones that really need to be re-registered. Oh, because as you all know, we've fucking killed off some people. Yeah. You know, actually, that might be a good Patreon episode just to like go back through a lot of the people that we think need to be rescored. I'll do it all in one show. Yeah. 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 Steven Seagal, Ty Cobb, mm-hmm. you know, whoever else. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right, boys. You ready to cook it up? 
I'm ready to eat. Let's deep fry it. Gordon James Ramsay was born November 8th, 1966 in the town of Johnstone, a western suburb of Glasgow, Scotland. He is the second oldest of four children, born to Helen and Gordon Ramsay Sr. Gordon's father played an important role in Gordon's life, and you would probably assume that a world-class chef, his dad might have taught him the ropes or at least gotten him started in the kitchen. Definitely not the case for Gordon Sr. While Mother Helen was a nurse, Gordon's father made ends meet by sometimes being a swimming instructor, a welder, a bodega operator, and a nightclub singer. But there was a profession that Gordon Sr. did hold down on the reg, being a drunk. Mm, That sounds about right. Yep. Gordon said he hit us when he was drunk. Things were thrown. We had to run for our lives. We spent many nights, weekends, hidden in social services rooms. I remember being woken in the night, mom screaming, rushing down the street in our pajamas to the neighbors to wait for the police. Despite the beatings, Helen once beaten black and blue when she was seven months pregnant with his younger sister, Yvonne. His parents didn't divorce for many years, but they did move around a lot. Catholic? Don't know. Scottish? Scottish. Scottish. Is is Catholicism really big in Scotland? I know it is in Ireland. Yeah. But maybe not. Mm. I don't know. Still, I just, I I never understand that. Like, catching ass beatings on the regular, like, get the fuck out. Yeah. But also, Stockholm Syndrome, it's it's not. Yeah, it's real. Yeah, it's not, uh, it's easier said than done. For sure. For sure. Gordon said there were about 16 different houses they lived in until they finally settled somewhat in Stratford-upon-Avon. So, oh. me, yeah, me just assuming that uh, Stratford-upon-Avon has to be a neighboring uh, town in London near the Avon River. Nah, this is a small town about two hours from London, most famously known for being the birthplace of William Shakespeare. That's right. Oh, and okay. Justin Bieber. What? No, Bieber's Canadian. They uh, they had the, he lived in, I know, they had one in Canada. In that, Canada, that's uh, right. right. Oh, Go that's back right. and, rem- and remember right. our Bieber show. Forgot about upon that. Avon in Canada. Go. That's right. Yeah. Interesting. So there you go. There's a little connection between Gordon Ramsay and Justin Bieber. Mm-hmm. But both have <laughs> fantastic hair as well. This is true. Both probably rocked about 70 million last year too. Yes, yeah, yeah. true too. And bone chicks on the reg. This is true too. <laughs> <laughs> Side note. It seems like every person we have on this show either never had a dad or their dad was a piece of shit. They're all celebrities for the most part and really wealthy for the most part. So by yeah. being a good dad to my son, I kind of feel like I may be doing him a bit of an injustice right now. A little now. bit of a disservice. Yeah. Uh, revisit the Gigi <laughs> Allen episode. I think I think you'll see. <laughs> I maybe should just let him learn the ways of the world. I yeah. don't know. Gordon didn't exactly shine academically at school, but one place he did excel as a young man was on the soccer field. His abilities as a youth had him playing for an under-14 team by the age of 12, and when he was 16, the family moved back to Glasgow from Stratford-upon-Avon so he could qualify for the Glasgow Rangers, and at 17, he was signed. Twice he was picked to play for the first team, but he was racked by knee injuries. He said, I remember coming back and sitting in the bath for two to three hours because my legs were in so much pain. And then 18 months later, the manager called him in and told him he was being dropped. He wasn't good enough. Who likes being told at 19 you're not good enough? So I suppose when people say you're so focused and driven now, I can never afford to fail. Now, excuse my ignorance, but is this like Premier League or Uh, so the Glasgow Rangers are the Scottish Premier League? Yeah, okay, not not English Premier League, but But Scottish. Scottish Still very impressive. Absolutely, absolutely, tier one team. So the Rangers offered to try and find him a place with a third division side, uh, and his father said yes, but Gordon said no. It was the first time he'd gone against his father's wishes. Instead, he took his mother's advice and went to catering college. Oh, I bet his dad loved that. <laughs> oh. 
Ramsey enrolled at North Oxfordshire Technical College to study hotel management. He describes his decision to enter catering college as a complete accident. Gordon is quoted as saying, going into hotel catering was an excuse to get out of the scenario quickly. Mom and dad were going through divorce. I'd split up for my girlfriend, and all of a sudden, you know, you don't have a pot to piss in. You're broke. I thought, well, catering. I can travel. I can travel the world, study for two years, and then get out of the country because I hated it. And that's how I started getting involved with food. Ramsey had no particular interest in cooking when he started, but he remembers the first time he felt a flicker of excitement when the college lecturer started screaming at them, and he thought, this is quite fun. Oh, <laughs> yes. He liked what he calls the boisterousness of it, the discovery that kitchens could be just as hard and macho as football dressing rooms. He's like, it's just like being at home. I remember my dad <laughs> fucking screaming at me, and I loved it. Every minute of it was great. I didn't realize how much I missed it. <laughs> Some people, he explains, will wimp and disintegrate under the fridge, but others will stand there, throw out their shoulders, ready to go for it. But his father never forgave him. He said, cooking's for poofs, which I was pretty sure I knew what meant and did verify it through an incognito Google search. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just is. tell Mr. Incognito. Yeah. I actually talked about this on another episode. We call yeah. somebody a poofter. Poofter. A poofter. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. As I just mentioned, it was right around this time that Gordon's parents split up and Gordon barely saw him again. One of the biggest regrets was not being reconciled with him before he died. Ah, I'd be like, fuck off, old man. Yeah, you beat fuck my ass. Fuck off. Yeah, you beat my Look ass for forever. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm $70 million richer, you fuck. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I hope yeah. you fucking... Oh, you already did die. <laughs> they hadn't spoken for five years prior to his death in 1999. He said, I regret not making up with him. I was in a position to forgive, but not forget and move on. But I was negative because of how much our lives he had wasted, yet I did not want to rub his nose in it and gloat every time I became more successful. So it sounds like he did want to try to at least He's got, make that's, amends. That's, He's got remorse. Yeah. Or regret, cutting, or some, regret, maybe, I don't know. cutting some points off there. I mean, that's a very uh, adult attitude to take in. I would have been like, straight, fuck you, dude. I would have been, hey, man, you mean to pay your rent, you fucking old boozer, you loser? <laughs> But how old? Uh, you said this is in '99. When was he born? Uh, Gordon's dad was like 53 when he died. Yeah, he drank. Gordon's himself dad out. was like. Gordon was born in '66. Okay, so he was like 33. Yeah. When? Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's a, as you start to get around there. That's when you start to you can forgive a little bit more. Sure. So than you can in your early 20s or something like Ty- that. Time may have healed a little bit more. Maybe so. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it sounds like a straight cocksucker the whole time yeah your mom doesn't have those black eyes anymore after 10 years yeah she may have moved on (laughs) that's that's true but he also called you a poof for actually going and just (laughs) making a yeah doing going and making some poof pastry yeah Yeah. i I don't know if i would have forgiven i would have fought him yeah and then after i beat his ass if i got lucky enough because you never know with those old guys you never know they got old man strength they have those calves on them they're mind-blowing in the hand grips yes and also the anger of gordon ramsay but i mean and, uh, Gordon Ramsay Sr. Yeah. But if you beat his ass, then you can then you can be like, hey, you know what? It's cool. I'm good with you now because now you know to back the fuck up. <laughs> but it's interesting. I never knew that he was a junior. And I guess yep. that's something that he's kind of omitted and hidden. He over doesn't the years. call himself. He doesn't go by junior. He's just Gordon Sr. is senior and he's just Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. 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 Gordon's first experience working in a restaurant was around age 14 as a pot washer in a local Indian restaurant where his sister was a waitress. After getting out of catering college, one of Gordon's first jobs running a kitchen was at a restaurant called Wickham Arms. Described by Gordon as a shithole, he was there a while and started to learn the ropes. When he ran afoul of the owner after, well, fucking his wife and getting fired. Oh, fuck. Gordon said, I slept with the boss's wife because she, uh, you know, made a go for me. 
I mean, trust you me, you know, a 19-year-old chef, fit as a fiddle, huh? You know, built like a gypsy's dog is going to say no to a stunning 33-year-old wife of your boss. Uh, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And it was great because all the knowledge that she was teaching me in terms of making love, my girlfriend benefited. Gross. Also, gypsies, <laughs> a gypsy dog? A gypsy dog, yeah. I don't, are they stacked to, to death? Are they just great shape? I don't know. That's such a fucking British... Well, I imagine if, a, if gypsies are traveling people, yeah. their dogs are probably in good shape because they're walking a lot. That makes sense. As fit as a fiddle. Like a homeless man's dog? I don't know. In better, American terms? Yeah. Better fed? I was about to say, hopefully better fed. Yeah, gypsy's dog. I'm going to try to incorporate that into my, my repertoire this week, maybe? I don't know. And then people, it's funny when you you say something like that and people act like they understand it. Uh, and you see the wheels turning. You like, guys see me. You guys see what's happening here. Fit as a gypsy's dog. Everyone's going to be like, yeah, you are. Certainly That's right. are, Mikey. That's right. What are you going to, yeah, are you going to tell me? <laughs> and as he walks away, they're like, gypsy's dog. Gypsy's what the dog. hell is he talking about? I think he's going through a hard time in life right now. He seems to have lost his mind. Hold on, he's coming back. Don't say anything. At 19, Gordon entered Marco Pierre White's kitchen at Harvey's and saw what serious cooking was all about. Harvey's had been named Restaurant of the Year by the Times in London just the year before. The guy Ramsey was learning from, Marco Pierre White, is regarded as the original celebrity chef and was the mentor for many other chefs. White's notable protégés who worked at Harvey's alone include Ramsey, Phil Howard, Stephen Terry, and Eric Chaveau. Most all of them are Michelin-starred chefs. Okay. Oh wow! I saw a video of him them making lobster raviolis. Okay. And uh, Gordon looked like he had the fear of God in him, like working alongside Marco White. Oh, th- that dude is intimidating. He's fucking horrible, man. Yeah, yeah. And if yeah, if you think like the verbal abuse you see on TV from him, hey, this guy is—it's like, beyond verbal abuse. There was like, he would throw plates at people and yeah. shit. White also trained American chef Mario Batali. So I've mentioned this Michelin star rating a couple times, and I would assume that most people think they know what it is. But just to bring some clarity as to what the hell I'm talking about when I blend tires and food together. The Michelin Guides are a series of guidebooks that have been published by the French tire company Michelin since 1900. At that time, there were fewer than 3,000 cars on the road to France. To increase the demand for cars and accordingly car tires, car tire manufacturers and brothers Edward and André Michelin published a guide for French motorists, the Michelin Guide. The guide awards up to three Michelin stars for excellence to select few establishments. The acquisition or loss of a star or stars can have dramatic effects on the success of the restaurant. One star is equal to a very good restaurant in its category. Two stars are equal to excellent cooking, worth a detour. And the highest praise is the three-star rating, exceptional cuisine, worth a special journey. He works 17 hours a day, learning everything he could from Marco and just obsessed with having a refined palate. He never told Marco he'd been a footballer, even though the kitchen brigade often played football in the afternoons. Again, football is soccer. That's right. For- yes. Also, the Michelin book is sort of like the green book, but except for the green book was to tell black people where they could eat without getting assaulted this back in, oh, in the wow. early 20th century. And some of the Michelin books were green early on, but they are now red, I believe. Okay, I yep. think so, yeah. Yep. And it's also crazy to think that a tire company uh-huh. is what created this whole like rush in a sense. Yeah. Like it could just as easily be the Pirelli stars or the be, Firestone yep. stars it's or, true. you know. Yeah. yeah, but it made sense. I guess when you think about it, like, talking about there's 3000 cars, they're like, hey, rich people, this is where you need to eat. This is where you need to go. Yeah, that's smart exactly marketing. Right. Yeah, exactly. Marco trained Gordon and handed him off to Albert Rue, who gave him some good advice. Go to France, something Marco had never done. Come back and offer something new. 
All right, so uh, just a heads up, uh, Gordon Ramsay worked at a bunch of French places uh, over the years, so I'm probably about to butcher a bunch of uh, French words and restaurants, so poke away, have fun, don't give a shit, I'm going to do my best. After Ramsay worked at La Gavroche for a year, Albert Rue invited him to work with him at Hotel Diva, a ski resort in the French Alps, as is number two. From there, 23-year-old Ramsay moved to Paris to work with Guy Savoy and Joel Robichon, both Michelin-starred chefs. In an episode of Master Chef, Gordon Ramsay stated that Guy Savoy was his mentor. He continued his training in France for three years before giving into the physical and mental stress of the kitchens and taking a year to work as a personal chef on the private yacht Idlewild based in Bermuda. Nice. The role in the boat saw him travel to Sicily and Sardinia, Italy, and learn about Italian cuisine. So it's often you see this a lot where chefs literally will travel around the world, go to sure. the spot and visit the locals and see exactly how Mm-hmm. How it was made from scratch, right? You yeah. go there and learn how they make it. Imagine sure. being the fucking rich dude that had the yacht that was like, Gordon Ramsay was my private chef. Yeah. Yeah, God. Mm-hmm. Can't even imagine. But yeah, a lot of them will go to like these towns and even just work for free just to get in the door. Mm-hmm. And then we'll, you know, try to climb the ranks. He said, the next stop is going to be in Panama City. He said, we're going to make fried fish and fist fight behind La Vila. Club La Vila will be a new destination. <laughs> Somehow we're turning Australian. I say he's Australian or like uh, Robin yeah. Leach. Robin Leach. Yeah. Lifestyle. <laughs> Let's fight. <laughs> Let's fight behind La Vila. <laughs> Hands up. Give me all your money. Well, enough money for a cheeseburger from the value menu, at least. We are now live on Patreon. Find us there at AHC Podcast to get all the latest episodes of Conspiracy Court, ad-free shows, shout-outs, stickers, and a whole lot more. It would be a crime if you didn't. Big thanks to all of our fans, and we appreciate all your support. Let's dive back into the action. Upon his return to London in 1993, Ramsay was offered the position of head chef under chef patron Pierre Kaufman at the three-starred La Tante Claire in Chelsea. You could tell Gordon was enjoying his time back in England doing very English things like peeing in public. In 1993, he was arrested and cautioned for gross indecency after an incident that took place in the bathroom of a London tube station. What? When asked about the incident during a phone interview in 2013, Ramsay was at a loss for words. I'll call you back, he told the tabloid before hanging up. (laughs) Hold on. Hold on. I get into it. God, I've never heard this, man. He's got a great PR Yeah. Later, a PR representative for the chef contacted the Mirror to explain the incident. The incident took place in the early morning after a whole night of drinking and celebrating with friends, she said. It culminated in the three of them horsing around in the loose of the Green Park Underground Station. So they were in the bathroom of a subway station. The station master, disturbed by the commotion, got the wrong end of the stick and notified police. They arrested Gordon and the others on leaving the loose. The PR rep insisted that it had all been an innocent, drunken prank before putting an end to the topic at hand. He has nothing else to say, she said. I have made fun of Pee Wee Herman on this show so, so many, many times. times. <laughs> We've talked about George Michael, and I have never known that Gordon Ramsay. I, I honestly think 100% they were drunk in the bathroom and just like maybe fighting, wrestling, like just raising hell. I don't think there was anything sexual going on. He's on the fight. You're going to pull your dick out. <laughs> pull your dick out now. I'm going to fight you. 
turn it into an idiot sandwich. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just don't. I'm gonna put you. I'm gonna give you a black eye on my dick. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't get that vibe from the whole story. I think it was, but him getting arrested in the bathroom was not a good look. We're trying sure. to be sensational here. We need to hit these numbers, man. <laughs> yeah, and him uh, being like, "I'll call you back." Yeah. Interview over. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, 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 it wasn't like that. Yeah. He said he literally hung up and goes, "Fuck." <laughs> <laughs> Shortly thereafter, Marco Pierre White re-entered his life, offering to set him up as the head chef and a 10% share in the Rossmore, owned by White's business partners. The restaurant was renamed Aubergine and went on to win its first Michelin star 14 months later. In 1997, Aubergine won its second Michelin star. Despite the restaurant's success, a dispute with Ramsey's business owners who wanted to turn Aubergine into a chain and Ramsey's dream of running his own restaurant led to his leaving the partnership in July of 98. I just got a mental vision or mental picture after that whole bathroom scene of him, you know, when they're working on the line and they're and they're and they're prepping the plates to clean them for presentation. He's just using his dick to like <laughs> clean the plates. <laughs> he's wiping the sauce off with his dick. And he's like, yeah. He's like, nobody will ever know this. <laughs> All right, <laughs> that's what Mikey's been thinking the whole time. I have thinking about Gordon Ramsay's dick. It's yep. great. In 2007, the New Yorker ran a profile on Gordon Ramsay that featured an interview with the man himself. As part of the profile, the magazine recounted a story from 1998 when Ramsay was worried that his bosses and financiers at Aubergine were about to replace him with his old boss, Marco Pierre White. When a negative review of Aubergine appeared in the Sunday Times, Ramsay became convinced that White had made it happen as part of a desperation conspiracy to stop Ramsay from overtaking him as London's best chef. Not long after, a man on a motor scooter pulled up in front of Aubergine, entered, grabbed the reservation book, and bolted. Back in the days before computerized reservations, a book such as this was arguably the most crucial part of a restaurant's business. In a subsequent interview with the Evening Standard, Ramsey voiced his suspicion that White was the culprit and that he had decided to sabotage the business in order to make it his own. New little corporate espionage. White, for his part, has always denied that he had anything to do with the theft. So who was behind it? Well, when the New Yorker's Bill Buford interviewed Ramsey for his feature years later, the truth finally came out. It was me, Ramsey said. Oh! Oh, snaps. I nicked it. I blamed Marco because I knew that would fuck him and it would call off the dogs. God, man. Wow, that's pretty fucking cutthroat right there. Yeah, yeah. whipping his dick out, stealing shit, blaming Marco White because Marco White would get blamed because he's a giant asshole. All right, yeah. that score is pretty interesting. Wow. Changing. He and is, plus, you know, like just the attention that it gets, you know, publicity yeah. in a sense. Oh, for yeah. sure. For sure. Smart move. Very cynical. Highly unethical. <laughs> okay. Yep. He described the decision to set out on his own as the most important day of my entire cooking career, the most important decision of my life. In 1998, Ramsey opened his own restaurant in Chelsea, Restaurant Gordon Ramsey, with the help of his father-in-law, Chris Hutchison, and his former colleagues at Aubergine. The restaurant gained its third Michelin star in 2001, making Ramsey the first Scott to ever achieve that feat. So he's oh, the first guy from wow. Scotland to ever have a three-star Michelin restaurant. It makes wow. sense. I mean, their cuisine is known for, like, haggis and yep. uh, not much else. Good segue into this, Mike. Okay. In 2011, the Good Food Guide listed restaurant Gordon Ramsay as the second best in the UK, only bettered by the Fat Duck in Bray, Berkshire. So I had to look up this fat duck place to see what restaurant could be the one to beat out Gordon Ramsay's. Dak fuck. Here we go. One of the dishes highlighted on their Wikipedia page was 
Salmon poached in licorice gel served with an artichoke vanilla mayonnaise. I'll pass. What in the absolute fuck are they eating over there? I saw a picture of this thing, and yeah, it looked like a black gel ball about the size of a giant tater tot with creamed salmon in the middle in like a puddle of mayonnaise. Don't get me wrong, I would try it, because I'll try just about anything, but that sounds awful but it probably tastes delicious i mean maybe i, I, I don't like licorice though i, I don't really like don't like licorice oh, I, I don't like licorice. artichokes i like i like salmon i like vanilla and mm. i like mayonnaise but yeah. i don't like any of that together maybe the salmon and the no. mayonnaise and salmon salad but something. i mean so interestingly enough like when you're eating like pho or whatever like they do use a lot of anise in it which is yeah. the licorice Star taste yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's it works for yeah. that. So, but I, it, like, but it's give also me, with like fifteen or exactly. sixteen other things. So it's yeah. just a small That's, little piece. Yeah, I, I would rather eat that than eat a black licorice stick. You know what I'm saying? But it it does sound very unappetizing. I, yeah, and it looks equally unappetizing. Yeah, but a lot of uh, I mean, you know, uh, for our palates, there's a lot of things that just sound crazy on the high end that actually taste really good. Oh yeah, I mean, like I said I will definitely try it. Yeah. I wouldn't pay for it. But if someone was like, hey, here's this, I'll give it a shot. From but the like best said, restaurant in the world or whatever. On yeah. paper, it sounds awful. Yeah, not a fan. After establishing his first restaurant, Ramsey's empire expanded rapidly. He went on to open 11 different restaurants over the next nine years. And while there are many in the UK, he has restaurants in Dubai, Japan, New York, Los Angeles, and Canada. His ability to raise capital was not only helped by his impeccable cooking ability, but he has also become quite the fixture on cooking shows around not only England, but around the world. In May 2005, the Fox Network introduced Ramsey to American audiences and the U.S. version of Hell's Kitchen. The show follows a similar premise to the original British series, showcasing Ramsey's perfectionism and infamously short temper. Ramsey had also hosted a U.S. version of Kitchen Nightmares, which premiered on Fox in September 2007. I loved Kitchen Nightmares. Oh, yeah. I couldn't watch it, man. There's... Oh, I loved it. God, it was my favorite some... one. I liked it way better than Hell's Kitchen. There was another I liked Hell's Kitchen Hell's better. Kitchen's awesome. There's another one. Hotel Nightmares was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, I, I was like, you know, he has a hotel background with his school or whatever, but I loved him going in there to like a shitty dive bar, and he's just like, what the fuck are you doing? And it makes you realize like, those restaurants, man, when these when they're clearing out the refrigerators, you're like, oh, oh god! I know that's the, that's what got me. Like, I love when he's like tearing into these people that think they're so like high and mighty, and they're doing a bunch of stupid shit. Oh yeah, um, but man, oh, god, some like looking at some of those deep freezers oh, and yeah, the kitchens, gross. and oh gross. man, it, it makes really you not want to eat out. That one that they had in uh, New York or whatever, there was like fucking roaches all oh, through that shit. Nice. And I, I get I, New I York has roaches. I'm like, you're a kitchen. You better pay that fucking exterminator, man. Yeah. In June 2018, Gordon Ramsay's 24 Hours to Hell and Back, a new series with a premise much like Kitchen Nightmares, but a shorter timeline premiered on Fox. Ramsay has presented five series on a food-based magazine program titled The F Word. It launched on Channel 4 in England, which is the biggest channel. On October 27th, 2005, the show is organized around several key recurring figures, notably a brigade competition, a guest cook competition, a food-related investigative report, and a series-long project of raising animals to be served in the finale. Oh, yeah. Farm, what is it? Farm to table? Yeah, he caught some shit um, for the lamb that they were raising. He uh, made a video of him walking out to the pen of lambs that were still alive yep. and pretty much talking to him like, all right, which one of you guys is dinner tonight? That's what's going to happen. <laughs> hey, that's what's, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it didn't go over well with PETA. Well, nothing really <laughs> Nothing does. goes over well with them. Yep. So the guest cook, usually a celebrity, will prepare a dish of their own choosing and place it in a competition against a similar dish submitted by Ramsey. Sounds a lot like Beat Bobby Flay. 
The dishes are judged by diners who are unaware of who cooked which dish, and if the guest wins, as they have on numerous occasions, their dish is served at Ramsey's Restaurant. The U.S. version premiered on May 31st, 2017 on Fox as well. But what is it about a dude yelling at people in the kitchen to do it better, you fucking wank, that draws so many people to watch? Ramsey's reputation is built upon his goal of culinary perfection, which is associated with winning three Michelin stars. His mentor, Marco Pierre White, or, or I guess one of his mentors, I shouldn't say. Ramsey said the other guy was, but a lot of people think this I guy I mean, you was. have a yeah. lot of mentors. Yeah. Marco White just happens to be the most famous. Yep. He said Ramsey is highly, highly competitive. Since the airing of Boiling Point, Ramsey's first TV show, which followed him on the quest of earning three Michelin stars, the chef has also become infamous for his fiery temper and use of expletives. Ramsey once famously ejected food critic A.A. Gill, whose dining companion was Joan Collins, from his restaurant, leading Gill to state that Ramsey is a wonderful chef, just really a second-rate human being. Ooh. Ramsey admitted in his autobiography that he did not mind if Gill insulted his food, but a personal insult he was not going to stand for. Ramsey attributes management style to the influence of previous mentors, notably chefs Marco White and Guy Savoy, and his father-in-law, Chris Hutchison, who wound up running his businesses for, I guess, the first 15 years or so. Okay. Oh, okay. Yep. Ramsey's ferocious temper has contributed to his media appeal in both the UK and the United States, where his shows are produced. MSN Careers featured an article about television's worst bosses, which featured Ramsey as the only non-fictional boss. Oh. <laughs> They cited his frequent loss of temper and his harsh critics, notably when he picks on something other than cooking ability, such as calling someone a chunky monkey. <laughs> Although Ramsey often mocks the French, one of his most trusted maitre d's is Jean-Baptiste Requin, and uh, he's French, and Ramsey also speaks fluent French from his time in Paris. I want to say also here, you prefaced it by saying you were going to whiff on the French. You've been nailing it. Yeah, you've been doing a good I've, job. I've heard a lot of the stuff on the Food Network over the years. That's true. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Also, I would like to point out here, can you imagine, this job doesn't exist, but imagine being an HR person for a kitchen. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. You can't say that, Gordon. You can't call her Chunky Monkey. Stop having sex with his wife. Yes. <laughs> With that fiery temper and what has become an absolute restaurant empire, there was more going on in the background of Gordon's life than we see so often, and we pay homage to our boy Biggie when we say, mo' money, mo' problems. But it wasn't just the money that caused the problems. Now, Gordon got arrested for fucking around in the bathroom when he was in his 20s, but about 10 years after that, around 2002-2003, Ramsey was in trouble with the police again when he was arrested and charged for driving under the influence. He had been found driving the wrong way up a one-way street in central London during the early hours of the morning. After being breathalyzed, Ramsey was taken to a police station and charged with the crime. The charge was later dropped due to a procedural error made by police. Mm, yeah, Man, really of good course. You, uh -huh. you arrest a freaking celebrity and they get off on a procedural error. Did they give his BAC? You're fired, Watson. No, they didn't list her as... God, as I want to know. It that was high... Bad. In 2004, the chef landed himself in trouble when he became embroiled in a scuffle on the set of Hell's Kitchen. Allegedly, a contestant had provoked Ramsey so much that the two had ended up in a shoving match, with the contestant eventually falling and spraining his ankle. Ow, my ankle! According to the Scotsman, Ramsey told a colleague that he had been in constant meetings with lawyers trying to avoid a lawsuit. The people at Fox are frightened there's going to be a massive lawsuit, Ramsey is believed to have said. The guy wound me up and I got angry. He hurt his ankle when he fell. It wasn't intentional. I'm Gordon Ramsay, for goodness sake. People know I'm volatile, but I didn't mean to hurt the guy. Do you know who I am? I'm the type of guy to push you down and make you sprain your ankle. <laughs> also, like the guy would be like, 
thirty million dollars for this sprained yeah. ankle. My neck, my back, my, my, my neck, and my, and my crack. <laughs> This is my new dish. It's called my neck, my back, my pussy, my crack. It's a four-course meal. <laughs> You're going to love it. Years prior to this, Ramsey was accused of assault and reported to the police after allegedly confronting his pastry chef over a banana parfait. At the time, Ramsey denied the accusation, although the Scotsman notes that a documentary followed the same restaurant in which the alleged assault happened, showing footage of another worker riding away on a bicycle in tears due to the treatment by the celebrity chef. That's a sad ride home <laughs> on a bicycle crying. Yep. Trying to wipe those tears. You uh-huh. can't see shit. Uh, you wreck your bike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I sprained my ankle. It's $30 million. I fucking hate and you, Gordon. England, so it's probably raining too. Oh, of course. Yep. Oh, of course. Well, Gordon Ramsay is celebrated for the fiery temperament that so frequently comes to the fore of his television shows. Many have levied a number of altogether darker accusations against the chef. For example, according to the BBC, he has been branded a sexist for saying that women should be kept out of the professional kitchens. His argument rests on the idea that there's nothing sexier than a woman who's had her hand up a pigeon's arse all day. He's also admitted that he could have never married a chef himself. Wait, they're eating pigeons? No, they've had their hand up the pigeon's ass all day. Yeah, for but they're preparing oh, yeah. to eat. They eat pigeons? Sure. I guess... Okay. I mean, we don't eat pigeons over here, so I'm, I, again, I try it. There you go. <laughs> According to The Guardian, Ramsey has also been- I mean, hes- homeless people should be eating well. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Homeless people in the city should be literally just feasting. Uh, I'm, I mean, they're so easy. They're so easy, you can kick one to death. They're just like there. I mean, someone needs to give these poor homeless people in every major city like Gordon Ramsey's recipe for pigeon and let this happen. I don't know if that's going to happen. According to The Guardian, Ramsey has also been hesitant to hire women to work in his kitchens in the past because PMT, or PMS as Americans call it, is a well-known problem, Ramsey continues. Four days of the month, they tend to have a long weekend, and they only work three weeks a month. The chef also claims that you can't get into the staff loo if women are around, meaning you can't get in the bathroom, and that he had a distaste for female workers becoming pregnant. How can you shout at someone who's four months pregnant, Ramsey asked. Oh, yikes. Mr. Ramsey, I am Nigel Longbottom, and I am the HR representative for the kitchen, and you can't say these things. If they go out on maternity leave, they also can still eat pigeons. Yeah. <laughs> like, what does the girl show up and say, I'm pregnant? He's like, you didn't clear that with me, yeah, you exactly. fucking idiot sandwich. I'm what? not, I'm not going to lie, though. Like, as a hiring manager sometimes, like, there's nothing that hurts worse than when you hire somebody, and then the next week when they start, they're like, by the way, I'm pregnant, and I'll be out for the next three months. You're like, fuck! <laughs> oh, or, fuck! Or it's a Zoom interview. And yeah, yeah you yeah. Get, get the job, and they show up with a big belly bump, and you're like, oh, it's cool. I'm not mad. I'm not saying it's okay. Nah, it's just, it all. does, it does throw... A wrench into your whole game plan. Yeah, but that doesn't prevent you from hiring women. Oh no, no of course you no, 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 no. You're just like, like you can't ask those questions, but you're like, uh. <laughs> you're waiting. Can, can we meet for coffee to finish this interview? You're waiting for that answer. You're waiting for them to come through and be like, "I'm totally pregnant," and it it hurts. So Gordon definitely does have a human side, and you may or may not have seen his son Jack on social media. He's pretty popular. And he met his wife, Tana, a Montessori-trained teacher, in 1995 at a London restaurant, La Pont de la Tour, and then married in 1996. But when Tana met Gordon, she was already seriously involved with someone else. According to sources, she was engaged at the time to a British chef named Tim, who was also a friend of Gordon's. God almighty, Gordon Here Ramsay. we go again. Gordon made some move on his friend's girl, and the rest is history. 
That is fucking awful. But it hasn't always been sunshine, rainbows, and retweets for the Ramses. In 2008, the now-defunct News of the World, through the New Zealand Herald, accused Ramsey of engaging in a seven-year affair with Sarah Simmons, a notorious so-called professional mistress. A source told the tabloid that Ramsey and Simmons had met in a nightclub in 2001. Ramsey and Sarah exchanged mobile numbers and became lovers just a few weeks later, the source said. So, so much for him being true to his wife. Yeah, and then she's just like, hey, you've got to use a condom. He's like, I want to go raw dog! (laughs) (laughs) I'll use this sheep's bladder. (laughs) Another unverified source told the Mirror that Ramsey was devastated by the revelations, allegedly telling one friend, I'm so sorry I've put Tana through this. I've apologized to her and feel absolutely dreadful. I'll be, oh, so he this, confirmed it? Well, the same source suggested the pair had talked it out and Ramsey was angry about certain aspects of the accusations that were complete bullshit. Publicly, Ramsey vehemently denied the accusation, saying, Did I know her? He said in 2009. Yes, of course. She'd met Tana, for God's sakes. But did I have a torrid seven-year affair with her? Did I? Fuck. Referring to Simmons, Ramsey continued, It's all crap. She's deluded. Not a stalker, exactly, but that sort of thing. Everywhere I go, the U.S., even bloody Reykjavik, She's there the next day trying to sell her book. So. Okay. I mean, yeah, but your past history, you, you've boned your buddy's wife. And got, your that's boss's how, that's wife. You got, boss's yeah, wife. Your boss's wife. And you, you, your wife was yeah. engaged to a dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's all bad. It is yeah, all bad. that's not good. Is he still married to his? Still is. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Cheaper sure. to keep her. So most <laughs> all of the controversy that Gordon has ever faced up to this point had been about people or behavior, never about his food. But that all changed on April 17, 2009, when it was revealed that one of Ramsey's restaurants, the Foxtrot Oscar in London's Chelsea area, used pre-prepared food that was heated up and sold with markups of up to 586%. Oh, shit. They crush people if they do anything like that on the show. Yeah, yeah that one lady in, in Arizona on a, the Kitchen Nightmares or whatever it was, was like, she. It, that went viral. Because she was talking about how good her desserts were, and then he found out that she was getting them shipped buying in. Buying them. Buried her, and everybody was like, she's a total bitch, or whatever. Eh, Here he's doing the same thing. Yeah. This, is, uh, this is so much worse than I expected. It was uh, awesome. Yeah, that yeah. score is, is, is ticking up. I didn't want to uh, I didn't want to give away anything here. No, I'm so. glad. Honestly, like I said, I've only watched the shows a little bit, and I was, I was, I was like, yeah, I mean, honestly, he seems like a cool guy. He's yeah. a good chef. And now I'm just like, oh, my God. He's like fucking his like friends' wives. He's like fucking his boss's wives. He's like stealing reservation fucking books. His, fucking his wife's friends. You know, like, <laughs> this guy's fucking everything. And it actually feels like it's like sort of a thing for him. Like, it's how he gets off. He's like, oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like if he meets a president, he's like, oh, I'm going to bone the first lady. It's, <laughs> What's up, Michelle happen. Obama? <laughs> but she's a man now, so you have to remember that. Yeah. <laughs> he's still tagging it. Check out that episode on Conspiracy Court. Reach around. <laughs> it was also revealed that three of his gastro pubs in London did the same thing. A spokeswoman for Ramsay said, Gordon Ramsay chefs prepare components of dishes devised and produced to the highest Gordon Ramsay standards. These are supplied to the kitchens with limited cooking space, such as Foxtrot Oscar and Gordon Ramsay's highly acclaimed pubs, including the Narrow. These are sealed and transported daily in refrigerated vans, and all menu dishes are then cooked in the individual kitchens. This is only for the supply of Foxtrot Oscar and the three pubs and allows each establishment to control the consistency and the quality of the food served. Reflecting on the controversy, Ramsey was unapologetic. He said, when I was working at the Gavaroche all those years, the duck terrine wasn't made there. It was made outside, then brought to the restaurant wrapped in plastic. This is standard practice. What on earth is the fuss all about? And I kind of understand 
that piece of it. So if you go if you go into some of these English restaurants, they're fucking tiny. They're oh, small. Sure. These buildings are fucking small. When I went there, like literally I had to squeeze my shoulders in to fit through the doors of some of these places. Sure. And when they sit us at a table for two and I'm sitting in this chair, I felt like I was gonna shatter the fucking chairs. <laughs> Constantly, I, I was doing like a constant squat yeah. because I could only put like half my weight. I was just going to fucking Tommy boy some Building shit. Building up a fucking uh, appetite just doing oh, like the wall squat. Yeah. But I could see like if you have a kitchen that is so packed, like you don't have the room to do all this prep work. So if you have like an outside and they do this, they have an outside, essentially commercial kitchen yeah. where the chefs will make and like seal and then it goes off. So Well, and you also have to do that for places that receive the amount of volume that these sure. places do with gordon ramsay's name to it i mean they're packed all the oh, yeah. time there's no issue with what with what's happening the hypocrisy is what the issue is when he's like lambasting other people yeah. for bringing food in yeah so you're like if you had never said anything and then been like or at least on the show maybe it's not him maybe it's the producer well, i think the difference is they bring in food made by other companies to their restaurant like yeah it's not by, like his own people right, preparing the, the it off chefs that are making the food enough. are employed by the restaurant group that are making it yeah the final yeah. put together people but yeah. not the actual original people that are making no, it. no they're employed by the restaurant group and they make food just for oh just for gordon yeah, ramsay so saying. it's all his own people yeah that's it yeah 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 so there I is, don't have a problem with that yeah a lot of people did though 2009 continued to be a shitty year as Gordon Ramsay attracted the ire of pretty much everybody when he became embroiled in an altercation with Tracy Grimshaw, an Australian journalist. During a demonstration at a food show in Melbourne, Ramsay referred to Grimshaw, who had interviewed him days earlier, as a lesbian and an old ugly pig. Oh. Even worse, seems like the comments have been pre-planned because he then showed the audience an image of a woman doctored with the features of a pig. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. <laughs> you think? I mean, that, that's, that definitely was pre-planned. That's not allegedly. He said, uh, that's Gimshaw. Holy crap, she needs to see a Botox doctor. When the audience apparently made it clear their dismay at the remarks, Ramsey continued, what? I'm not saying she's a dyke. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Critics picked up on the misogynistic strain to these comments, and even though Grimsay isn't gay, the homophobic one drew a lot of attention. Blogger and commenter Perez Hilton later said that Ramsey had crossed the line with his sexist homophobic remarks, while FoxNews.com called it an obscene sexist rant. Interesting Ooh, for Fox, Fox News. News. Yeah. yeah, wow. In the days that followed, journalists... That, Wendy- per- that person got fired from Fox <laughs> News. <laughs> In the days that followed, journalist Wendy Tui wrote in the Herald Sun that Ramsey was an outrageous self-promoter who keeps raising the rudeness bar to stay at the top of his game. Later, Hell's Kitchen winner Heather West defended Ramsey, saying he's never had a problem with it. In fact, all three sous chefs on the show have been lesbians, and he has many other lesbians working for him. He's always been cool with it. And my career has nothing to do with Gordon Ramsey at all, even though I won and now I work for one of his kitchens. That's right. It wasn't just his temper and insults getting him into trouble. The one guy that many have tried to evade over the years, but yet he always catches up with them, and in the end, they finally get you, and they got Gordon as well, the tax man. With the number of businesses and streams of revenue his team was dealing with, it was no shocker that in 2009, Ramsey appeared in London's high court for having failed to pay taxes on a restaurant he owned at Heathrow Airport. In the end, he was forced to pay over $9 million in unpaid taxes, then in 2010, the New York Post reported that Ramsey owed some $2 million in taxes off his New York-based restaurant, Gordon Ramsay, at the London, which he had sold at the end of 2009. He said, let me get my change purse out. <laughs> <laughs> at the time, a spokesman for Ramsey told the News of the World, conversations are in hand with the U.S. authorities to settle outstanding corporate liabilities. 
2013, things became even more serious when documents surfaced written by Ramsey's ex-finance director, Trevor James, revealing that the chef's business had misled the HMRC in order to reduce its tax bill. Faced with accusations of fraud and a huge seven-figure unpaid bill, a spokesman for Ramsey insisted that the chef himself had triggered the investigation when he became aware of misconduct by business employees when it had been run under previous management. Deloitte, Ramsey's law firm, declined to comment on reports that five of its senior partners had been trawling through 30,000 emails in an attempt to clear the chef's name. On October 19, 2010, the company Gordon Ramsey Holdings Limited announced that Chris Hutchison has left his position as CEO. Chris Hutchison is Ramsey's father-in-law. He was the one cooking the books. Shortly afterwards, Ramsey released a letter to the press describing how he had unraveled the manipulative Hutchison's complex life after having him followed by a private detective. His father-in-law's away days, wrote Ramsey, were rarely what I thought they were. Company accounts show Hutchison borrowed up to 1.5 million pounds from Gordon Ramsey Holdings, although Hutchison said he reported the borrowings to the company and paid the money back. Hutchison said he had been vaporized and subject to public hanging by Ramsey, whom he described as a friendless egotist. In April 2017, Hutchison pled guilty to a charge of conspiracy to hack into the computers of Gordon Ramsay Holdings. Oh, that sounds like it was a little accurate there, Hutchison. Yeah. Also, this is why you never, ever, ever hire your family members to run your shit. Yep. Mm-hmm. Unless you're one of my family members that's extremely <laughs> rich. <laughs> I am available. Yes. Right. I don't have any. They're all broke. <laughs> How many times have you listened to an episode and thought, man, I wish they would have said this? Well, now with our interactive social media pages, you can. Let us know what you think about our show subjects and give us your scores. We'd love to hear from you. Well, most of you at least. Let's dive back into the action. The next little tidbit we're going to touch on, and I'll admit, I didn't see this one coming. Back in 2012, chef Marcus Samuelson released his memoir, Yes, Chef. You guys probably would recognize Marcus Samuelson. Oh, 100%. He's an incredible chef. Yes, Chef. In the book, Samuelson alleges a particularly unpleasant interaction with Gordon Ramsay early in his career. Samuelson had spoken to the media before taking on a role working in the restaurant at the Lanesboro, a luxury hotel in London. He had been asked who his favorite British chefs were and mentioned a number of names, Ramsay not being one of them. On the second day at the Lanesboro, Samuelson was working in the kitchen when a phone call came through for him. According to him, Ramsey screamed down the phone, how the fuck can you come to my fucking city and think you're going to be able to cook without even fucking referring to me? The rant apparently continued for some time, after which Ramsey concluded, this is my city, you hear? Good luck, you fucking black bastard. As shocking as this language is, it appears that Samuelson was hardly surprised to have been on the end of such a rant. I had cooked with Gordon Ramsey once, he writes in Yes Chef. A couple years earlier, we did a promotion with Charlie Trotter in Chicago. There were a handful of chefs there, including Daniel Boulard and Farrar Andrea, and Gordon was rude and obnoxious to all of them. So, yeah, I didn't Damn. see the, the racist tent coming in. Mm, yeah, yeah I, you know, just because he said black bastard, I don't know if that necessarily... racist, but I, anytime you... It's not great, you know, yeah, you don't want to say that. I mean, if he dropped the hard the hard R N-word, then you'd be like, God. But also, dude, I don't know if they use that word in Scotland. <laughs> I don't know. Or in, in London or England. Something like that, yeah. But, yeah, know. but I don't know. But yeah, he definitely had like a kiss the ring... Yeah, you moment. know, yeah. I mean, he moment definitely there has and... a very high like idea of himself, which I, I get. But also, yeah, uh, man, this has been a very shocking show. So keep going. I, yep. I'm not happy with this. 
Ramsey made headlines in 2019 when footage surfaced from a 2010 appearance on The Tonight Show alongside Sofia Vergara, during which the chef repeatedly talked over her, mocked her, and touched her leg. For the duration of the interview, Vergara appears to be genuinely uncomfortable, and according to one Twitter user, the actor at one point straight up yelled, This guy does not respect me in Spanish. I never scream like that in real life, Gordon says. So, all right, so I watched it, right? Um, okay, yeah, yeah. So to. I went back, watched yeah, the Yeah, I feel like there's some something that I remember from this. And it's Sofia Vergara sitting on the couch, um, and Gordon Ramsay sitting like next to her, right? Um, and so she says, I never scream like that in real life. And then Gordon chimes in, he says, well, how are you in the bedroom? And yes. then, uh, and you can see her like visibly pull her dress down, and the crowd kind of groans, and Jay Leno carries on. Uh, he then made a sexual innuendo joke about her, uh, how she ate the pizza. She was like, no, nah, I don't eat it with a knife and a fork. And he's like, so you just pick it up and stick it in, huh? God. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, at one point he patted her on the leg and uh, told her that his her son's name, I think it was Menudo, sounds like a paint color. That, uh, hold generally, on. it was a Hold very, on, hold on. That's what's the most shocking thing, because Menudo is a dish. It's a food. Yeah. You're a fucking chef, <laughs> and you don't know what a fucking Menudo is? I'm not a chef. I'm certainly not a Michelin star chef, and I know Menudo is like a soup, which is why the uh, 80s band Menudo, I was always like, you're a band called Soup. Yeah, but just, just horrible. There's nothing more uncomfortable than some fucking horny-ass middle-aged dude like that is trying to drop like sexual jokes and the woman's like so obviously uncomfortable and it happens all the time and what yeah. happened here was you could tell he made the first joke and tried to recover but kept digging Failed. himself into a hole deeper and deeper and yeah, yeah you know i mean look look look, look you know i mean you're, you're probably pretty loud in the bedroom uh, everyone's like boo and he's like yeah i mean it's cool you take it up the ass right <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is stuff that, like, uh, David Letterman used to do back in the day and, like, all the talk show hosts, like, uh, Johnny Carson and stuff. But, I mean, like, this was happening back in the 80s and 90s to be still happening in, like, 20, what was this, 2010? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's insane. But even with all this going on, there has to be a reason GR hasn't gotten canceled yet. One thing that doesn't hurt are his gifts to charity. Ramsey has been involved in a series of charitable events and organizations over the years, and he fulfilled his aim of finishing 10 marathons in 10 years by running his 10th consecutive London Marathon on April 26, 2009, sponsoring the Scottish Spina Bifida Association. Ramsey has been honorary patron of the Scottish Spina Bifida Association since 2004, and in 05 he launched the Gordon Ramsey Buy a Brick Appeal to help the organization raise funds to build the new Family Support Center and head office in Glasgow. In 2006, he launched a new campaign to help a charity raise funds required to continue to run the support center, What's Your Favorite F-Word? Gordon's is fundraising. In November 2007, Ramsey hosted a St. Andrew's Day gala dinner at Sterling Castle in aid of the association and has now made this fundraising gala an annual event. In March of 2005, Ramsey teamed up with Indian chef Madhur Joffrey to help the VSO, an international development charity group, to support its Spice Up Your Life event. The charity event raised 100,000 pounds for VSO's work in HIV and AIDS in India. And the Ramsey couple, Gordon and Tana, were the first couple to become ambassadors for the women's charity Women's Aid in 2005. The couple ran the Flora Families Marathon to support Women's Aid that year as well. So you take the good and you take the bad. You take them both. And there you have the Gordon Ramsay episode of Asshole Court. Yeah, I love it. Also, uh, he missed a real opportunity there. For the spina bifida thing of Scottish 
spina bifida. <laughs> you know what I mean? You do beef wellingtons for everybody because it's really good. It's one of his signature dishes. That's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. I want to eat uh, his beef wellington really bad. <laughs> and spina bifida is just, I feel like it would be just close enough where everybody gets a good laugh, but it's also for a good cause. Sure. sure. And I have a story. I, I can't. I can't go this episode without telling this story. I'm glad you're bringing this up. Yep. So my wife and I did get the opportunity to go to London, and we spent a number of days just walking through the city, seeing all the cool shit there. And uh, one afternoon, we had planned to go eat at Gordon Ramsay's restaurant. Yeah. It was the one, anyway, it's on the other side of the Millennium Bridge. We walked in the rain for probably an hour and a half to get there. <laughs> um, one thing that I've kind of been... Uh, known for in my later years is how frugal I am, and uh, in your later years, yeah, okay, sure, yeah. my whole life. Okay. <laughs> um, so we get to the restaurant, right, and it's lunch, and the menu's posted outside along with the prices. And I had been walking, and it was raining, and I was just kind of pissed off. And then I saw it was going to be like ninety dollars to have lunch, and I was like, "We're not eating here." And to this day, my wife was like, "You're an asshole," because we walked in the rain for an hour and a half to eat there, and. Your cheap ass turned yeah. us the fuck around. We had fish and chips at some bullshit restaurant down yeah. the street. <laughs> I ate at, yeah. uh, at, at Gordon Ramsay's restaurant in in Paris in Las Vegas. In Las Vegas, yeah. Yeah, uh, it was fine. I ate at uh, Gordon Ramsay Burger up in Chicago, mm-hmm. and I, I thought I was I thought we were going to pay a bunch, and it actually like the most expensive burger there was like maybe like sixteen bucks or wow, something okay. like that. Most that's pretty good. Sixteen, Not maybe bad. eighteen max for like uh, like a lobster burger or some shit like that. It's pretty good. Huh. Um, but yeah, no, like all of the burgers I think were like the majority of them were like fifteen and under. In downtown Chicago. Wow. And uh, it was a bad. really good burger. And yeah. you didn't have to dress up for it. I mean, it was like jeans. It would be fucked up if you did have to dress up for a $15. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, this is a black tie affair. And then you walk outside and get shot. Yeah. All yeah. right. <laughs> this is Chicago. Yeah, All right. So let's go. Not in that area. area. I think it's <laughs> south side Chicago. That's more towards Comiskey Park. Or I know. Whatever. All right. So let's get some final scores. Who wants to uh, kick us off, buddy? Man. Wow, what an episode. Um, that went completely the opposite way that I thought it was going to go. I'm, a, I'm disappointed in Gordon. Um, this was a guy that was sounded like he was pretty much terrified or terrorized by his father all growing up and then turned around and used that and pretty much was that was the persona that he brought into the kitchens. And um, I just uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't like the uh, the idea of continuing the trend. We're supposed to stop what we don't want our, you know, whatever we right. don't like our parents doing, we're supposed to stop that and, you know, move forward. But on the flip side, it made them a bunch of money, you know, but I just wish it was a ruse in a sense that that was just the persona that he was playing on TV and that he was like really nice behind the scenes. And, um, you know, it kind of sounds like, you know, Randy mentioned that, you know, he had a lot of charitable contributions that uh, to me, it sounds like when you're feeling really guilty about stuff that you've done, you know, it's 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 easy to go into charity instead, like try to uh, cover up your sins in a sense by giving the money that you have. And it sounds like that's what he was trying to do. And that really sucks. Um, you know, he has a, a, a litany of things that I've got against him, man. The biggest problems that I have is, you know, like it sounds like he was pretty sexist in the sense where he was. And I mean, like, I know, like, both you guys can understand that a little bit more, not from a sexist point, but from, you know, being managers and general managers and having to hire people left and right. Like, I can see where, like, maybe y'all might be, like, can side with them maybe a little bit more with that. But I mean, still. I don't side no, with no, them. No, no, exactly. No, 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 it's no. just, it's a, it's a circumstantial thing where you're just like, oh, shit. 
Yeah, it, it, and I don't know if it's oh shit, but it takes you by surprise. It takes you by surprise. It makes your managing harder. And I'm not mad at them. I want uh, every woman to be able to have Absolutely. kids and take Absolutely. their maternity leave and stuff like that. It's fine. It just is a bummer when they show up like after getting hired and a week later, they're like, I'm six months pregnant and I'll be out of here. And you're like, you're that's your training. OK. Yeah. All right. Sure. And I'm not like I'm not like I won't hire women for that. That's that's not the case at all, especially for me, because it's healthcare and it's all women. (laughs) (laughs) But that sounds like what he was doing, in a sense, was just like, nah, I'm going to limit the number of women I have on staff, at least to a point to where he couldn't hide it anymore and had to start doing it. I wouldn't pin him for that, and that really sucks. Uh, I don't like how he basically called Marcus Samuelson and was like, man, you need to kiss the ring. Fuck you for not mentioning me. How could you not mention me? Good luck. And, like, I'm sure he did some things to try and thwart Marcus at that point. And, uh, Mark, well, I I think Marcus is a good guy, but shit, now you got me questioning everybody, Randy. Um, You know, he stole the reservation book and blamed it on Marco or whoever it was, you know, trying to... I don't know, man. I don't like it. It's too much there. The uh, the affair. I don't know if it lasted for seven years, but I got to imagine this guy is probably fucked around a lot on his wife. I don't like it, man. I don't. So uh, I'm going to have to jump him up. I think I'm going to have to I'm going to have to jump him up a bunch. Um, I'm going to jump him up to a seven point five. Whoa. That's up there with Steve Jobs. And because I mean, like if we're going lower, like, I mean, what are we looking at? Like Michael Jordan at a five point four five. Yeah. Steven Seagal at a six point oh. I know this is the Seagal line. Is that's our Mendoza line? So (laughs) funny. I already have the score in my mind. Yeah. Where it's at. And it it is. It is. It really is. Seagal is the Mendoza line. (laughs) Yep. In baseball, there's what's called the Mendoza line. It's the 200 batting average. Right. And if you fall below that, you're fucking booted. Yep. Above that, you're okay, you know, but, you know, it's the metric. Uh-huh. And Seagal is our Mendoza line. He's <laughs> our six point. And so, you know, Steve Jobs, I see that, but I'm also kind of like, oh, man, it's real high. Yeah, no, I, I while I hate to score him this high, mm-hmm. I, I got to do it. I'm at a 7.5 as a final asshole score for All Gordon right. Ramsay. Strong yeah. in the paint, buddy, 7.5. Mikey, what are your final thoughts? Okay, so first of all, excellent write-up, Randy. It really was shocking as fuck. Like this is, and we've talked about it all the time. We're like, oh, I didn't really. This was the most mind-blowing one I've had so far. I didn't do a lot of research on this, but we don't normally, anyways, because there's some fun and just sort of hearing it. This one uh, shocked me a lot. Yeah, caught me is, off guard, man. Yeah, which is great. Which is what we want. So I, it, you also tried to be fair-minded at the end. With the, a little bit of good. With the you philanthropy. Know, he's not, he's not but what I want to point out here is something that people don't recognize. Now, Buddy was talking about, like, it's sort of a way to, uh, you know, sort of, you know, atone for your sins. But I think what people don't realize is that when you get to this level of wealth, the job that your wife normally has is running your Charities. charitable foundations. Yeah, yeah. And you just hand that off as like, here's something to keep you busy. Now, I don't know that that's the case necessarily, but yeah. it wouldn't surprise me at all if it was just like, yeah, do your thing. I'll write a check whenever you need. And maybe they fight about the amount of the check or whatever, <laughs> you know. But aren't uh, a lot of these like charitable contributions also tax write offs? Absolutely are. Yeah. You know, so like more like, at the end of the be, day. It's- be very cautious with the, philanth- uh, the yeah. philanthropy piece because it is. Uh, there's a there's a difference in philanthropy 
And, and a lot of times it is, just, it's a tax write-off. It's a way to keep my wife busy. And after everything that I've heard, uh, it's frustrating because I really kind of liked Gordon Ramsay before we like got through this episode. You can still like him. It's all right. No, no, no. I don't. I'll no. tell you. I'll tell you <laughs> yeah, why. No. My big, my big beefs are like, okay, you know, it's uh, adultery is a, is a, is, a, is a bummer. But and like, that's the thing. Like he never admitted to it. He, uh, he denied it, happened. it. It fucking happened. You guys are leaning towards the it happened. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. And not only that, because he already fucking you know he he set he set the, the tone. The way it all kind of he came set together. the tone. Fucking his boss's wife when he was like nineteen, and then you know he Stole fucks his friend's uh, uh, wife. Or yeah, steals her. Steals her. That's fucking yeah. awful. Like cheating is bad. Whatever. But fucking your best buddies like why that's otherworldly. And then and then just stopping there. Like that's where he stops. He's like, Hey, now I'm done. <laughs> nah, man, yeah. that shit continued. Uh yeah, I mean certainly. So that's really pretty bad. I'm gonna score him at a like I said, the Mendoza line, I was trying to come in underneath that. I was gonna put him I thought about this as we were going through this. I was like, he's a bad person. Uh I'm gonna put him at a five point nine five point nine five. All right, 5.95 for Mikey. Randy, what you got? All right, so just like you guys, I I knew a good bit about Gordon Ramsay, but as I dug in, um, there was a lot there, just a lot. There really was. And it wasn't just like, oh, he got in trouble for cussing at some person on the show. Yeah, and the potential like pulling his dick out in a bathroom, I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) What the the fuck? And the shit was Sofia Vergara. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I watched that one, and he... He he's awkward and weird, yeah. um, and just tries to recover. It was it was an awkward interaction, but you know, it's, I think it's sort of indicative of how he interacts with women, though, in general. You know what I'm saying? I could see that, yeah. But it, it did. It kind of sucked. You know, you don't ever want to meet your heroes or, or dig the dirt up and and find out who they are. Sure. I would like to meet him and have him cook me his beef Wellington, though. God, oh, I yeah. would love that. I don't. I don't know how that would play out, but I'm sure it'd be, the food would be great. Yeah. But yeah, the whole conversation, I don't know how that would go. Oh, I'd be like, oh, you're super cool. Just keep cooking that. that looks good. <laughs> Stay away from my wife. Yeah. So going into it, you know, we had him uh, fairly, fairly low. And I, uh, I also jumped up my score and I had the score in mind as Buddy was, you know, talking. I was thinking about where I was going to put him and I have him. At a 5.99, just below oh, the Seagal yes. Mendoza line. Buddy's shaking lame. his head. Buddy, buddy's lame. Head. You know, the thing that actually, we're just going to carry it over. The thing buddy. that threw me off was the Steve Jobs. And I was like, yeah, you're right. It's sort of like that. But Steve Jobs, I think, is still worse. Y'all are putting him up there with Jose Canseco. Yeah, but Steve yeah. Jobs uh, abandoned his daughter. Like for years, and he paid her like four hundred dollars a month for child support when he was yeah, a that's, fucking that, billionaire. That's pretty rough, but still, y'all are like in this like within one tenth of a point of Jose Canseco. And so one tenth we put, of a point of Steven Seagal. Yeah, he's no. total. Uh, y'all are weak and lame. We have so we're yeah, honestly we're gonna do a show. We may do it on Patreon, but I'd kind of like for all of you guys to hear it, where we just revisit. The shows that we know we had bad scores <laughs> on. Yeah. It'll be one off. show. We'll kind of go through them. And uh, so just, you know, you guys have asked for this because we nonstop talk about how bad some of these scores are. So just prep yourself. We scored Vladley and Paler pretty low. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With a 7.5 from Buddy, a 5.95 from Mikey, and a 5.99 from Randy. Gordon Ramsay's final asshole score is a 6.48. 6.48. 
Let's see where he falls. Just above Nancy Grace, 6.33. And just below our boys Billy McFarland and Dan Bilzerian at 6.58. So there it is. Gordon Ramsay in between Nancy Grace and Billy McFarland and Dan Bilzerian. Okay. 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 Awesome. Good shit. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Asshole Court. As I'm sure you've heard us talk week in and week out, uh, check us out on Patreon. Patreon.com slash AHC Podcast. Put the full name in there. Get some support out there. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Uh, we're getting ready to send out the newest batch of swag and stickers to our, uh, our fan base there. And uh, like we've mentioned before, we're heading out to Denver for Podcast Movement 2023. And uh, any donations that uh, you'd like to throw our way because we don't get paid for this shit, we would gladly accept it. So uh, always much appreciated for all your support. Definitely do appreciate it. Be kind to one another. We'll see you next time on Asshole Court.